0: The good news is the good news according to Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Jesus at home and abroad, his disciples encounter resistance as they seek to proclaim, God, proclaim God's word and relieve affliction. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that he has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown." and among their kin, and in their house. And he, would do no de- he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. He gave them authority over unclean spirits, and he ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you, and if they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent And they cast out many demons and anointed them with oil, many who were sick, and cured them. This is the good news of Jesus. Thanks be to God. I have to recharge my internal air conditioning system. My refrigerant level was low. Today's Independence Day. Today is the day in which we as Americans celebrate our independence and celebrate the freedoms that we enjoy. The freedoms that make us who we are. I don't think anyone, uh, can, can identify Independence Day without also identifying that, uh, we have certain documents that put down in stone, uh, the things that we enjoy as freedoms. Today is also Independence Day because today like every Sunday is a day in which we celebrate the freedoms we have in Christ. At the first service we had a baptism and so we had that visual reminder, that physical reminder of what God has done is doing in our lives and continues to do to continually set us free. Now Luther taught back way back in 1517 he taught that we should daily return to our baptism. That doesn't mean that every day we gather here at church and I rebaptize everybody. What that means, however, was that we should return to what we know to be basic, what we know to be foundational in our lives. And for us, those who are Christians, we know that to be our, to be our baptisms. Because in baptism, so much happens. We are liberated. We are freed. The chains of bondage that are upon us are broken. And what do I mean by that? Well, in some faith traditions... Um, you have responsibilities. You have your own, your home, your, your spouse, your kids, your car payment, your house payment, paying the bills, going to work, taking care of the yard, all of those responsibilities that you have on a day-to-day basis, but it doesn't just stop there because you have other responsibilities, responsibilities to God, uh, you uh, are to pray right. You're to go to church right. You are to uh, ask for forgiveness in the right way. You are to do a lot of things to ensure to make sure that your relationship with God is on firm ground, just like you would with a job. You know, you you go to work every day. You just don't say, "Well, I'm not going to go to work today," or "I'm not going to do any." You know, you go to work every day because that that ensures the relationship is strong. You have a relationship with your employer. Your employer gives you money, and you in turn give your employer your time and your expertise and your knowledge and your effort and to make sure that that, re- that 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 relationship is strong and secure, you have to show up every day. Well, for some people, that is the way they view their relationship with God. You have to show up, or God will not give you the benefits that being a Christian has, most importantly spending eternity with God. But you have to not just do these things each and every day, but you have to do them right. You have to do them correctly. And that leads to a very deep and abiding question that we talked about uh, in our last blog post, which is, how do I know? How do I know I've done it all right? Well, in baptism for you and for me, and in our faith, we believe that God frees us of all that. That is the chain of bondage that is broken for us. That bondage to having to do it right. That bondage to never knowing if God is really okay with us. To never knowing if I did enough of it. Or if I did enough of it in the right way. Or did I pray the right prayer at the right time in the right way. That bondage is broken in baptism. And so we celebrate that every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, we should be celebrating that we are free. We are freed from worrying about ourselves. We are freed from worrying about whether or not God loves us or not. We are freed from all of that stuff. Anything, anything that can get between you and God, God removes in the water of baptism. Now, a lot of us spend a lot of our time putting that stuff back. We try to we put that stuff back that we stumble over. Sometimes we don't want to let go of those things. Sometimes our chains feel rather comfortable and we hang on to them. That's why Luther says daily return. It is not just a one and done thing. It would be great if it was, I'd be out of a job, but it would be great if we didn't have to keep reminding ourselves, but you know as well as I do, eh, it takes about seven days for us to forget what we learned last week. And so Luther, exactly what? So Luther says every morning, every morning, the first thing we should do is cross ourselves and remember our baptism. We cross ourselves to remember what's central in our lives, the cross, and that also reminds us of the waters of baptism. When we celebrate Holy Communion, our baptismal font is right here. So as you come forward, you can, you can dangle your fingers in that water, you can touch your forehead, and you can remember that God has baptized me. Not Pastor Mike, God. This is what God does. That I am baptized, I'm claimed, I'm named by God, and there's nothing in all of creation that can change that. Even though I'm constantly throwing those stumbling blocks in front of myself, even though I'm constantly putting things between me and God, God is constantly moving them away. And God will not allow anything to remain between us and God. That's a wonderful freedom. That is a wonderful freedom to be reminded of and to celebrate and to relish in. That we don't have to work at it. We don't have to kill ourselves trying to prove ourselves to God that we are somehow worthy of God's love. When I was in confirmation, I think, the first year of confirmation, we were taught the definite we had to learn all these different definitions. I don't know if you had to learn those. We did. So you had to learn what the definition of a disciple was. And then you had to learn a definition of what an apostle was. And you had to learn a definition of what the, a gospel is. Then you had to learn the definition of the gospel. You know, it's kind of like, oh my gosh. And I remember that the definition between disciple and the definition of apostle was different. A disciple was any follower of Jesus. And so that included all of us. Anyone who is following Jesus is considered a disciple. But apostles were special disciples. Apostles were those disciples who personally knew, saw, witnessed Jesus doing the work that Jesus did, specifically the 12 we know about. So we refer to them as the Apostle Peter. They get that special title because they're in kind of a, a special select subgroup. And so one of the most embarrassing moments of my life in seminary, I was in my first year, we were in our very first class. Uh, it was basic Lutheran theology kind of stuff. And the professor uh, said, okay, who can tell me what an apostle is? And me being me, shot my hand forward. I know the answer to this. This is going to be easy. Those were people who knew Jesus personally. And our professor, who I still believe knew Jesus personally, said, wrong. And oh, did I slink in my chair. He said, apostles are people who receive a mission. Apostles are people who receive a task from Jesus. So we see here in the reading that I shared with you now, that Jesus sends his disciples out on a mission, two by two, to do certain things. That is called an apostolate. Your mission, your charge, your, the thing you're doing, we all get them, we all have them. In different areas of our lives, we're given things to do, and those are our apostolates. But we also have an apostolate given to us by Jesus. So, we are disciples, yes, but we are also apostles. We are sent ones. We are people that Jesus is sending out into the world in the exact same way he sent out the 12. There's really no difference. We are the ones today who are sent out into the world to do the work that Jesus is asking us to do, which may or may not be a little bit different than what the original apostles did. It could be exactly the same, but it might be different. We all have that. That's all part of our baptismal calling. That's all part of the freedom. The freedom we have as Christians, because we don't have to worry about all that other junk, all that stuff that burdens us, all that stuff that weighs us down, all that stuff that that makes us constantly think about ourselves before other people, because all that has been swept away in the waters of baptism by God. We are now freed to fully engage in our individual and corporate apostolate we don't have to worry about a whole bunch of stuff that other people are totally concerned about we can be open and we can be honest and we can be authentic with people that we are here in their lives to serve them just for the sake of doing that because god tells me to not not so that i get another notch in my apostle belt of another soul i saved not so that I earn points in heaven so God will love me more than God loves you. Not that I get my, my merit badge or my brownie button or whatever they call them these days that I'm, I'm special and you're not. No, none of that stuff. All that stuff has been wiped away. I know we constantly battle with it. Because I constantly battle with it. I constantly battle with the, uh, this is not about you, this is all about me. Because we're humans. We're broken, we're flawed. That's why we have to daily return. Because we forget. We get consumed in our own lives. We get we get we get all this stuff pounding into our lives that we forget completely what we're really here to do. And what we're really here to do is to embody Jesus Christ for those around us. To be the image of Christ so that others may see in us what we have already seen in, seen in Jesus, so that others can receive the, the freedom and the grace and the love from us that we have received from Jesus. You know, in accounting, they have these things called pass-through accounts. I never learned this until I started serving in churches and I had to do budgets. You know, pass-through account, a pass-through account is an account that collects funds for a specific, specific purposes, purpose and then they go to that purpose. So like we call them designated funds. Like we're gonna, we need to buy a new piano. So we set up a fund so you everyone can give to the piano fund and then we have enough we buy the piano. That's a pass through account. In terms of God's love and grace and all that, we are called to be pass through accounts. We are not uh, we, we are not certificates of deposit. We're not just supposed to receive and receive and receive and receive and lock it away and lock it away and just kind of revel in our reception. Rather, what we are to do is to receive and then give away. Receive and then give away. And here's the interesting part of what I call religious mathematics. If I have a bank account and I give away more money than I receive, what happens? I go broke. That's basic math. But religious mathematics says that the more you give away, the more you have. And it always works. I've never met anyone who said, I have outgiven God. That I've given to God or to other people more than God has given to me. It just doesn't work that way. I don't know why, because it's God. God outgives us in every way possible. So we are always filled. We are always satisfied. We are always content. Another interesting maxim of the church is that if you come into a church community and the thought in your head is, what are these folks going to do for me? I guarantee you, you will always leave dissatisfied. You'll never have enough. It'll never work. But if you come into a community and you, and you say to yourself, uh, I wonder what God is asking me to do among these people which is just a fancy word of saying, what does God want me to give to this community? Those are the people that are always content, are always happy, are always satisfied, because as they give, as they continue to give, God continues to replenish in their own lives. And the Bible says, you know, tenfold, a hundredfold, five hundredfold, that God just keeps giving and giving and giving. I'm not talking about money. So don't anyone say that Pastor Mike says, if I give money to the church, God will give me money. I'm talking about our life. I'm talking about much more than money. I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about our talent. I'm talking about our passions. I'm talking about all the things that make us, us. You know, Jesus could have just, he and the disciples could have sat down and just kind of said, we're going to be holy together. We'll just sit around. We'll do a lot of navel gazing, and we'll just be nice and holy together. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus sent them out. And Jesus sent them out because they were six groups. Remember, he said them out two by two, if my math is right. They were six groups where he is just one. A mathematician once uh, did, a, did some sort of uh, a math problem and, and figured out that if Jesus had personally visited every town... And not sent disciples out, not sent people out, that Jesus would still today be in the Middle East visiting towns. He wouldn't even made it out of the Middle East yet. But no, Jesus sends us on an apostolate. We are the sent ones. We are the ones called to go into the world and share the good news of Jesus. We're not to keep score. We're not, this isn't, this isn't a contest. Jesus even says it. He says, if anyone won't receive your testimony, what are you supposed to do? Kick the, kick the dust from your feet. Now that could be taken one of two ways. That could be taken, that could be taken as very insulting to the people who didn't receive you, but I don't think it's meant that way. What I think Jesus is meaning to say is don't keep score. Like back when I played baseball a long time ago, and you know, you dive for the ball and you miss and you slide in that infield dirt and you get all that dirt all over you. What does your coach say? Get up, brush yourself off, and do it again. It's often said that golfers need to have a very short memory because once they hit a ball, they need to forget it. And the problem is, at least for me, is I don't. I keep trying to fix what I, what, I, what I messed up three shots ago. Jesus is saying here that I, you know, success is not baked into the cake. I'm not asking you to go out and be successful. I'm asking you to go out and be faithful. I'm asking you to go out and just, just follow my lead and do what I do. Say what I say. And when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Kick the dust off, Brush yourself off, stand back up, and go back out, and and just go right back at it. God honors faithfulness. And when the the apostles did that in the Gospels, they were amazed at what they were able to do. Now, I'm not saying that you guys are going to leave this place and drive out demons or cure the sick, but the amazing things that we are called to do are just as amazing as the things that the original disciples were called to do. To proclaim the good news, to set other people free from their bondage, to relieve them of the burden of life, to walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death, so that your rod and your staff would be a comfort to somebody else. Why? Because you've been comforted. You've been filled. You've been blessed. The same Spirit that has made you who you are is the same Spirit that will flow through you into others. And might it, might it result in a healing? Sure, why not? Might it, might it result in some miracle that you can't explain or I can't explain? Why not? Might it result in somebody finally being able to rest in the arms of somebody else, someone who can finally unburden themselves with what's been going on in their life and what they struggle with? I certainly hope so. There's a couple of things that are coming up, ways in which we can put all of this into real concrete action that I want to quickly highlight for you. On July 18th, we're going to have a special visitor at our uh, uh, after the second service, after this service. Hopefully it won't be too hot and we'll all be in here while they're out there. But it is the Heart and Soul uh, Cafe food truck is going to be here. Heart and Soul is a non-profit agency that locally sources all their food. And what's different about Heart and Soul is, is they provide this good food to people at a as-you-can-pay rate. There's no like set number. And the design is is to take away the uh, expensive nature of food so that people who need good food can get good food and pay what they can pay. A few dollars, maybe more, maybe less, who knows? They're going to come and they're going to uh, talk with us and they're going to show us their food truck and they're they're going to invite us to partner with them in several different ways. And I hope that we will be open to that as a way to put our faith in concrete action. As my mother-in-law used to say, put legs on your prayers. Just don't pray that those who are in need can find good food, but actually participate in that, relieving the burden on somebody else. And we're not going to be slipping little, you know, come to church cards in their meals or anything like that. This isn't what we're about we're about being the people of God. So that's on July 18th. In the fall, in September, we're going to have a guest come and speak to us uh, about Churches United. I'm sure a lot of folks here are aware of Churches United and the food pantry, the food, the food distribution pantry they have over at Holy Cross. Well, they're going to be moving locations. They've got a commercial location over by the Hornbachers by the interstate, and they're going to come and talk to us about renewing the partnership between our church and Churches United. They've kind of redone their model, and I won't spoil the fun for you. I'll let uh, let our speaker talk about that. But that's another way that we can step out of our pew and onto the playing field and actually be doing something. And so I encourage you to invite your friends, uh, invite your family members, invite those who maybe don't have a church home to come on, on the 18th and experience the Heart and Soul Cafe food truck. We'll probably have other visitors who will know that it is here, and we'll have an opportunity to interact with them and to serve them and be partners with them. And then in, in the fall, we're going to be having churches united talk to us and invite us into a partnership with them. And we'll see, we'll see how that, 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 that goes. But it's important for us to always remember that, yes, just like the disciples, we have a mission. God is sending us. We are the sent ones. We are freed in baptism to free others. And that's what we're called to do. Let's pray.